I'm Jay Matthews, and this is AD Update. This episode of AD Update, we're with Jay Wise. Jay is a fantastic Bible teacher and coach here at Briarwood. So uh, anyway, Jay, thanks for taking time to talk to us a little bit about uh, all that you do for Briarwood. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I've heard enough episodes, so I guess it was it was time to find my way to the microphone at some point. <laughs> and I think you've at least listened to some of the podcasts. So uh, yeah, I've listened. I think I've listened to all of the eighty updates. I haven't worked all the way through the fifty year okay. episodes. Where you grew up and uh, how you, how you ended up at Briarwood? Yeah, so I'm originally from a town called Op, Alabama. Most people know about it because they drive to the beach. <laughs> Uh, used to drive through it, then they put the bypass, and so now people drive around it. Um, after that, I just uh, attended LBW Community College. That's where I kind of started coaching a little bit. I worked at uh, Op Middle School. My first year there, second year, I helped with Brian Seymour when he was at Andalusia High School. And then found my way to Troy, where I thought I was going to be a science teacher, and figured out that college chemistry is not the, my best, strongest suit and moved over to sport management and found my way working in academic services with Troy. And uh, my last year at Troy, I was in a discipleship group with a pastor in town, um, Dwayne Norman, who um, now is Kentucky. But he he was in, we was in a discipleship group and he started just kind of praying for all the guys that was there. And he approached me one day and asked me about seminary. Well, he didn't know at the time I'd been thinking about seminary and what that would look like. And so... From there, um, there used to be an internship program at Lakeview Baptist Church in Auburn through Al Jackson, and I found my way up there for three years, did my internship there, uh, got my MDiv, worked in the church in every ministry, spent two months or a summer in New York City, spent two months, a whole summer in Madagascar. Um, at the end of graduation, I was looking for a job to try to combine my love of sport with my love of teaching theology, and then I found my way down in Niceville, Florida at Rocky Bayou Christian School. Uh, I was there for a year, got engaged. We got married. We realized the beach living um, was not conducive with my paycheck. <laughs> and so uh, I ended up moving back to Auburn where I met my wife, and we I was out of a job for a couple months and then stumbled across um, an opening at Lee Scott Academy where the head football coach was a member at Lakeview. We knew each other, Coach Maddox. He used to be – he's actually a defense coordinator and was the head coach, of, I think, the head coach for a little while at, at Troy. Um, but mm-hmm. went there, was there for one year. Um, they had some turnover, and uh, after one year, I, I started looking for another spot, found my way up here to Briarwood. Dr. Brower hired me, and I replaced a legend in Coach Ritchie and uh, found my way to wearing multiple hats – Yes. I guess here at Barwood through that through that one interview. So that's how I got here. Um. So do you do you recall maybe your earliest memory of uh, trying to associate someone that's following Christ and then is also an athlete? Uh, yeah, and, and how that began formulating in your mind. I would probably say the first time it really started registering as a um, as a component of life I mean I was I became a believer in high school but I guess those things didn't kind of fall into place until I moved into the coaching role because at Op Middle School the head coach was a deacon at my church who had coached me 
And then another assistant coach was the youth pastor, who was my youth pastor at church. And so seeing them using it as a ministry, um, and then also at that time, you know, Tim Tebow was big in the news, and because I graduated high school '08, and so a couple years before that, Tim you know, Tebow was all big, and the, you know, his eye paint and you know the Bible verses, but really trying to see it played out because small town football is one thing. <laughs> But then when I'm working at Troy in academic services and I'm seeing these athletes, these baseball players, these football players, and basketball players who are, you know, claiming Christ and really trying to live it out by being part of the, you know, the, the, the ministries on campus of campus outreach and, you know, Baptist campus ministries and things like that, that's where it really started to hit like, man, these two worlds outside – these two worlds seem to always be opposed to each other mm. because you have the sports world – that we see on TV, they're living the lavish lifestyles and things like that, and then Christianity, but trying to see people who are living it, trying to mesh them together was something I found interesting. So uh, also I want to take a little bit of time on terms of your seminary training, uh, and then in terms of that fleshing out in your desire to then that become part of your lifestyle or ministry, when, when did you fairly, really first start feeling you've got this real uh, heart for theology and then that becoming more student driven or you know yeah well being from op academics wasn't really that strong for me <laughs> and so anytime we had to read I didn't read much um, I get to Troy and I had a guy disciple me a little bit in community college it really kind of started fostering a little bit of love of hey read a little bit just read a little bit start small and I started reading a lot more once I got to Troy and I had more, you know, my own time and I'm hanging out with these people who are there reading. And what got me to the point of teaching, I guess, was it was odd to know that people started, me and a couple of guys, they'd start coming to us. They'd hear something at church or, you know, they hear us talking about something, hanging out at the BCM where I spent a lot of ministry time, the ministry I just kind of hung out with at Troy. Um, and they'd ask us, what do, you, what do you mean by that? I heard you talk about this. I heard you explain mm -hmm. this. And I'm teaching youth guys and helping them um, kind of start seeing things really started growing that desire to teach others. But then when, uh, as Troy ended, I moved into seminary. My thought was I was going to be pastorate, going to the pastorate, because that's what this program was built for, that I was in for seminary. But I really just didn't feel that urge at that moment to go to the pastorate and I was trying to breed what what can I do to teach others what I'm learning in seminary but also do it in such a way to bring in my love for athletics which I had got my my bachelor's degree in and high school athletics was the just the obvious choice yeah and so from there it just kind of filtered its way to finding me at you know school in Florida Lee Scott had a we actually just made a Bible class because I wanted to teach it and they had it available and so and then here at Briarwood where it's a requirement it was just kind of fell into place. So, talk to me a little bit about coming to Briarwood and and how you've kind of uh, found your lane. Yeah, I guess um, being as we're on behind microphones, I don't fit the stereotype of all the stuff I've done here. So, my first year was Forrester's first year, and so coming in, hearing of Coach Yancey, but not ever being here with Coach Yancey, having that you know that aura around. Um, having heard of Briarwood and knew, you know, some of the history of Briarwood with the Castile brothers. And, you know, I was, I was in college when Trotter was in college and 
um, things like that. But coming here and finding my niche of, I guess, out of all the Bible teachers when I first got here, I was by far the youngest. Yeah. Um, having that 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 inroad to these kids, even though it had been a few years, like 10 years since I'd graduated, but still understanding some of that culture they're living in and being able to relate to it, I think helped me really build that gap. Transferring to the sports side of things, I'm I'm entering a coaching office has a vast amount of history behind it that I don't have. And so being able to um, kind of com- compartmentalize in my head, one, trying to learn everything that we got going on because right. it's like a fire hose that's been broke off. Um, but then trying to approach it in the same way that Coach Forster, you know, allows me to spend a lot of time with the younger guys, but I teach the older students. And so it allows me to go ahead and build relationships with younger players in that ninth grade, tenth grade phase, but I won't have them in class until twelfth grade. So that relationship has extended their their whole high school career. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've had conversations. Hey, Coach Wise, you remember that game in ninth grade where so-and-so happened or so-and-so this or that practice where this happened? And um, being able to make it fun. I mean, Coach Reese, he's a defensive side guy, and me being the offensive side guy, you got the varsity on one side of the field really working through some hard stuff. And we're down here just – I'm drawing plays in the sand just to see if I can get Coach Reese mad. <laughs> and it makes it fun for the kids. Yes, and, absolutely. And um, they, they, they don't feel like it's too stressful. Knowing that they need to learn the system that we're trying to build so when they go from us to the older coaches, but at the same time trying to make it fun, showing camaraderie between coaches, but camaraderie between players um, has really been beneficial. And then you bring tennis in the main game and – I'm not the most knowledgeable at tennis. It's amazing how much you pick up in a couple of years of being yeah. around a sport. But um, being really to help these kids know that when when they it's that indiv- it's, it's it's the individual team sport, right? But that times where it's like one little mental aspect of that game can throw off a whole match. And so me being able to talk to a player during a match and them know that I can't correct a serve, or them know that I can't correct the way they're swinging a racket has really been helpful for them because they know that I'm just there to let them know like, Hey, it's going to be okay. You're yeah. better than what you're playing like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're better than this. So let's just kind of push that away. And, um, just remind it like the other day we had a tournament. I'm just reminded one of the players like, Hey, don't serve so fast. I can tell you're anxious. Just take two deep breaths. And, and that her parents were standing there and within two serves, she aces on uh, her opponent. And they're like, you're hired. <laughs> and so That's great. it's just small things like that where it doesn't take the technical knowledge of the sport to realize, hey, just calm down. So that's really where I was wanting to go with my conversation with you because this is, to me, a fascinating thought. Uh, so the area that you teach is really even the definition of heart. I mean, we wouldn't even have an understanding of heart except for Scripture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and we talk in athletics a lot about like the heart of a champion, the will to win, you know, the even the idea I think of the right way to persevere, you know, the motivations, uh, and then just what drives us to compete, you know. So those are beneath the surface. You know, like it's more than just your thinking, but it involves your thoughts. You know, it's it's even a type of fellowship or communication. So. And then the application of that to then become a better teammate or better competitor, 
are you seeing kind of a convergence of those ideas uh, in your theology and in your mentorship toward how to compete as a as an athlete? Yeah, I think the biggest struggle is we live in a culture of success means you've made it. And success is seen in a high school athlete as how much playing time do I get? How much, how many points I score? How many tackles mm-hmm. I make? Or things like that. And trying to kind of breed in that moment where one, understanding that a sport isn't play. Right, so we have what we call play, where right. you know we just have fun. But sport now brings in the idea that we have ground rules and we have boundaries and we have people who are supervising and people who are coaching, and that most of the sport has to involve camaraderie, right? And so you have that one player who, who might want a lot of things to go their way, and they would want that even in regards if it might be bad for the team. Um, and so having to to navigate that because that right there that could be a, that's a cancer in a team, right? Especially if the other teammates know that. And so having one having those kids that are young, who might have had a ton of success in let's say the smaller leagues, those little kid leagues, or maybe even junior high, and they come up to the high school, and the game's a little quicker. I mean, you're having to deal with bigger kids because now you're the smallest kid. Um, as a ninth grader, and really having to show, one, we're not out here to make a name for ourselves, right? I mean, Paul says, you know, do everything, you know, either eat or drink, do it all to the glory of the God. And so that even transfers to our field play. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, So that has to transfer because everything to the glory of God has to transfer to how we play the game. That's really what I I, I focus on in that mindset is – Let's look out for look out for your heart, because you know Calvin says our heart is an idol factory, right? And so we have to look after our heart. If we're doing something we really love and we felt like we've put a lot of time into it, we feel like we're good at. That's the that's like the soil that can breed idolatry, right? I've already spent so much time. I've already spent so much money. I feel like I'm really good at this. Well, now this is an idol, and having to work to deconstruct an idol to show them that the reason why you're able to play the sport, the reason why you have this athletic ability is not because you spent so much time in it. Yeah, that could be part of it, but it's really because God's given you this ability. Mm-hmm. And are we going to use it to really try to make ourselves known or are we going to use it to try to make him known? And by making him known, yeah, we're going to try to win. Right. Because no one wants to go on the field and try to lose. Right. But we're going to try to win the right way. And so um, just having that tough balance of, of trying to see it in the classroom, but then on the on the field or the court or things like that. So, so for people listening to this, I mean, you're you're with these students day in and day out in the classroom, talking through even controversial <sighs> issues. I think we tend to be pessimistic about the world and things are going on. You're around these students every day, so give us from your eyes things that we can be hopeful and optimistic about. Things that um, that we don't see uh, that I think would encourage people as they uh, listen to this? Yeah, so two examples, one I guess classroom-related one sport-related. One is just recently I um, had an activity in class where I broke my, my students up into four different groups, and each group got a different position, I guess you could say. And, um, having 
students, you know, that this group takes that position, this one, that one, and so on and so forth. But then they have to present their position to the class in such a way that, that I ask them to try to convince the class of their position. And so I got students who, like, one of the positions is pacifism, right? Right. Well, I got two students going to the military academy. So I made sure that they got pacifism, right? <laughs> and so watching them really take that position and be like, you know what? I, these people have put time in to articulate their argument. I guess I need to put the time in to really understand it. And so I want to try to, one thing I'm doing with this is to show kids, before you start advocating for a position you hold in the culture or in theology, our best thing, one, is to listen well. Mm-hmm. And to be able to understand the other position that's opposite of ours. Because if we're not willing to listen and we're not willing to understand, then any conversation we're going to have isn't going to go anywhere. That's kind of encouraging to see students say like, well, you know what? I'm Yeah, even though I disagree with it, I need to learn it because, you know, at college I'm going to meet people I disagree with and this needs to teach me how to, I need to listen. Hmm. I need to understand because if those two things don't correlate with each other, then we're not going to have a good conversation, no matter what we agree or disagree on. Um, another example that trying to find that team spirit, um, we were at a, a tennis tournament this past weekend and it was, it was really interesting we did our seating and once you got seated, the higher seed got to choose, all right, we go play doubles first or we go play singles. Well, we chose doubles, which we had three courts, we have three doubles teams. Well, then when it came to singles, coach Mears and I were able to choose which singles went on first. Well, we had a player who didn't play doubles. But he came to Coach Mears because he realized what was going on, and he said, Coach, don't play me first. Hmm. He said, I, I don't think it'll be best for the team. My teammates, it would better the team if I didn't play right now, and you let them play first. I mean, Coach Mears was like, he's like, that That's that kid gets it. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, he's, he's seeing the big picture, and it's like, it's not about me right now. It's about this team. And so it was just a good moment to see that finally. Yeah. And, uh, a young, and he's a young guy. He's a young kid. To see, know that he's got a couple more years with us to already have that team mindset was really nice to see. And we, yeah. were, we were encouraged by it. So. so I want to close with you talking about all the different hats that you wear. You're a husband. You're a dad. You know, you, you faithfully study and teach the Word of God. You, you uh, coach football. You coach tennis. Um any thoughts as to the pace of our society, all the things that you're called to, time commitments, uh, what, what, what are you learning about that, and what are some of the challenges you face? Yeah, I would say one, um, I, I think I've picked up, and I'll, I'll take the, t- I'll, I'll self-title myself a millennial. And okay. I know there, there's some baggage that can come with that. Yeah. But when I get to define it, it, it I'm stuck in that generation where, we we started to come of age and remember things before we had high-speed internet, before everybody had a cell phone in their hand, before we had access to the world. And we understood how how the old, how kind of how to do the old stuff. Like, it, I know it's weird to say, but we understood how to do math on paper with pencil. Right. The, the old math. Right. right. And we, but then we started to come of age with technology and we got the iPhone and we got, you know, Apple really exploding and, went from, you know, now we got social media and things like that. But seeing my my generation where my parents' generation, it was we're going to work hard at our job. 
and we're going to do a really good job at our job so that our families at home will have it better off, which is not a bad thing. I don't, I'm not saying that's bad. What I see with the millennials right now, especially with culture and time, is, you know what? There are so many avenues of work that if that time with my family is important, and I'm not going to make my job my end-all, be-all. If you if you want to do something, there's time for it. How much are we going to let time slip away? Right? Yeah. We never give it back, and there's more there than we think. Because I think a lot of times, I mean, now you got kids who will spend an hour and a half on social media laying in bed, and they don't even realize it's been an hour and a half. Right? I got a, I got an assignment. My kids are supposed to read a book and do a five page report. I I told a kid the other day. I have a two and a half year old. I'm married. I coach football in the fall. I coach tennis in the spring. Right now I'm doing a fellows program that requires me to read 13 books in 10 months, and I meet for three and a half hours once a month. And yet I'm reading all these books, I'm hanging out with my family, I'm doing my job, and I'm working out. Also I'm reading books that I want to read on my own. I told the kid, you're not busier than me. It's a time issue. And I think when we get older, we or I mean, I guess in your position now with a granddaughter, it's the idea of like, these are things I need to make time for because if I don't make time for it now, the time ain't going to be there when it comes. You know, it's so interesting <clears> to say that because I haven't thought about that. But, you know, my dad modeled you, you go to work. Yeah. You know, and so work is a place. Mm-hmm. And then you leave it. And then when you leave it, you've left it, you know, because it couldn't come find you in those days. I mean, yep. you know, unless you're on call or something. But, but. Uh, we're so integrated in our because of our technology that we actually don't go to work. It's always with us, and we've got to kind of consciously figure out ways to kind of turn it off. My position in my job, like I'm dealing with worldview and culture and things like that. So I mean, I can see anything or listen to anything or you know hear anything, and it can always be associated with work. Yeah, right. I can see a billboard. If it's something outlandish, I can bring it to the classroom. I can, if I'm at, you know, a store and see something. So work for me is really not as like how I view work, but it's the idea that, man, I get to study God's word and try to teach these kids on how to better apply God's word to their life by bringing in things that we see in just everyday life. And how's that, how's it work for us? But that concept of going to work and devoting myself fully to this job, even when it pulls me away from things that are important it's hard to find that you, you don't see that in my generation as much yeah. like you have people that'll just leave their job especially now you got remote jobs and things like that they'll just leave and tell you you know what i'd rather do this and that so see ya yeah and my dad didn't have that choice my That's mom right. didn't have that choice yeah. my grandparents didn't have that choice and so the whole dynamic seems to be changing where you know People grew up in op, they left op, come back to op. Now people growing up in op, leaving op, never to come back to op. Yeah. Type situation because of the internet and now we're a global system and it's just people work to live and some people live to work. Yeah. Just however you want to slice it. We just realize sometimes that the time that we think we have, we don't have, but we really do have it. It's just priorities. So. Well, I want to thank you for all you do for us. I mean, it's hard to believe. I mean, it was just 2019, you know, that you yeah. joined us. And I feel like you've just been here like a, a lot longer than that. I guess it's because you feel that way, too. Got, Especially got that this, first year being the COVID year. <laughs> ingrained uh, in the being a Broward Lion. So 
Thank you for your service. Pray for you. Proud of you. Thank you for serving our kids so well. You're so loved by students. And uh, just encourage you to keep growing and keep serving. And uh, excited to see uh, what all the Lord's going to do with you over, over this time. At Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. And each episode of this podcast is dedicated to our coaches, volunteers, and other staff members who help us wrestle with what it means to be a Christian, competitive, athletics program in contemporary society. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of AD Update.